Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, November 23rd, 2012. And today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 68 at the very first paragraph. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. Today's readers are Kim, Monica, Paula, and Sarah. And the reference numbers for yesterday, actually we have three share codes for yesterday, Thursday, November 22nd, beginning with the big book study in the morning, share code 3373. The doctor's opinion presented by Ruth, 3374. Chapter 3. More About Alcoholism, presented by Lori C., 3379. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Melanie to read the 12 steps. Good morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Minnesota today. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
and I'll pass. Thank you. I will now call on Amy to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 68 at the very first paragraph, beginning with, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. And I will ask Kim to begin reading, please. Thanks, Leah. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. 
Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Fear, fear. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. You know, I remember when I first came into OA, in, in my area, we had this thing called a We Care book, and we would write down our name and our phone number, and the last column was feelings. And I was, I had eaten myself into such oblivion. I was so stuffed with the food that I felt nothing. I only had two emotions. It was anger and it was fear. You know, I just always ate myself to oblivion. And I remember actually cheating and looking what other people's feelings were because I would just write what they wrote because I had no idea what was going on. And those two feelings, the only thing I could feel was anger and fear. Well, anger was resentment, which we just finished up. And the second one was fear. And what I found was that resentments, in most cases, were covering my fears, which is why when we do that fourth column, it says that in most cases, when we look at the cause, it's in there as fear. You know, this is why I had to put the food down. This is why the steps do not work unless you are sober, because I was so disconnected that I couldn't even see straight. I couldn't even understand what anger and fear and resentment were. So as we put those fears down, we put them and we look at them thoroughly. You know, I'm the daughter of a Marine. You do not show fear. You do not show weakness. And one of the speakers said something yesterday, which is what I've often heard with fear, is that I couldn't recognize what my fears were because I was like a fish looking for water. I was surrounded by fear by so much that I couldn't even see how fearful I was. So this is why I had to look at these fears thoroughly. This is why I had to put them down on paper. And it said, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? And there's a saying I like, it says, fear is a sure sign that I am relying on my own power. And we have said human aid will not help us. We are human beings. We are always fallible. And that's why we're fearful, because we can never be perfect. We can never live up to our own expectations. We can never do that. So how do we look at this? We look at our fears, and we just start to recognize that human aid, ourselves and others, has failed us. And at that point, we can start to work towards going towards that higher power, which it says here will solve all our problems. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead, and then Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. We reviewed our fears thoroughly, thoroughly. Time to go back to that list once more and look at what we've written down. Look at what I wrote down under that fear column. You know, fear, we talked yesterday, you know, that that sense of agitation and dread and worry and negative thinking. You know, that ran deep. That ran deep. Because what was I trusting or relying or depending on? Myself. Myself. And self-reliance had failed me. You know, it was was good as far as it went, self-reliance. You know, I was taught that from an early age. And I tried to have self-confidence, and and maybe at one time I had had. It said some of us once had had great self-confidence. But you know what? It did nothing against my fear problem. And the other thing I discovered is that underneath that anger was also fear. That oftentimes my fear looked like anger. 
looked like anger, but it was really fear underneath it all. And sometimes we need to review those thoroughly with another person. You know, that's where a recovered sponsor, other people who have gone through this process of the 12 steps, other people who were not my sponsor, but who had had the experience that I did not yet have, were great resources for me. Great resources for me. Because lack of power was still my dilemma. Even as I'm going through this fourth step, the lack of power to see how this could relate to me exactly came to me through other people sharing about their fourth step and their fears and how they wrote down things and got to the heart of it. Because that's what I was trying to do, get to the heart of it. Get to the heart of it. Because when I did, everything, everything could be transformed. You know, God, I could trust, rely, and depend on God. And that was what was going to turn the tide. That was what was going to make the difference. But not until I identified them. You know, I need to identify who I am and what I'm up against. Well, fear was what I was up against here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And Monica, was that you? I guess yes, not. it was. Thank okay, you, go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And again, how exciting here. We're being given explicit directions on how we are writing our fourth step inventory here. And now we've gotten done with the resentments and we're moving on to the fears. And it's telling us we're reviewing these fears thoroughly. Thoroughly. And we put them down on paper. And like Janice said, now, where are these fears? Where do you look for these fears? And like she said, when we did our resentments there, one of the questions we answered was, what were we frightened of? So you go back to that, and you list all those different fears that you have answered there. Um, and there's a good beginning on your fears. You know, you're going to see things like, um, I was frightened of being alone or being lonely, of not being lovable, of not looking, uh, of looking bad, of looking dumb, of looking foolish, of, you know, we've got all kinds of fears. We're full of fears. You might not like me. Um, you know, um, I, I won't fit in or I won't ever have it or I won't ever get it. You know, these are fears, and we're listing these here. We're writing them down. And then in this paragraph, it's asking us two questions here about these fears that we're going to write on. We ask ourselves why we had them. So, you know, where did this come from? When was the first time you felt this fear? Or you remember feeling this fear? And did this fear serve a purpose in your life? So you can write that about it. And then the next thing, which is very important, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? And what is self-reliance? It's capacity to manage one's own affairs. How did my self-reliance work for me? Well, it didn't. And self-reliance here would be my coping techniques, my coping mechanisms. How did I try to control this fear? How do, did I try to live with this fear? You know, how did I attempt to manage or compensate for this fear? Well, Monica's great way of compensating for any of these fears was to eat. If you kept it buried, you didn't have to worry about it. And how did that work for me? I didn't work very well. 
you know, all I did was get fatter and fatter and uh, my mind went crazier and crazier with, uh, with this compulsive overeating disease. So what were the consequences, you know? It, my techniques didn't, didn't work for me. You know, and then also I can think about, you know, what kind of lies did I tell myself in trying to cope with these fears? And just, you know, short, sweet, and simple on this writing. A few lines. We're not writing We're not trying to explain everything. Short, sweet, and simple. And, um, and then in the next paragraph, we're going to hear a little more about how we're going to work on these fears. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Of course. Thank you so much. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. It says his self-reliance was as good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Well, see, that was it. It would bring me to a certain spot, a certain place, but I couldn't go over to the next place. I stayed there. It was almost like having enough gas. Oh, yeah, that'll get you there. That'll get you to Mass. No, honey, it ain't going to make it. It ain't going to make it. I didn't have enough. I didn't know how to get enough ah, because there was self-reliance. There's where my reliance was. But then it said some of us once had great self-confidence. Hmm. Notice the word self again. But it didn't fully solve the fear problem. Now, it's just fully because there are times that I've gone, oof, oh, I got through that, but not fully. It's like being abstinent but not recovered. That's where I had to be. And that self-confidence, that self had to be dropped and God had to be put in its place or any other. But I love the last line. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Yeah. (laughs) Guess what? I've been abstinent for three months. I can do anything now. No. No. It became even worse. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. You know, we asked ourselves why we had them. Um, you know, my life was riddled by fear. I was deeply affected by fear. It touched virtually every aspect of my life. Um, it was, you know, as it says on that preceding page, you know, it was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. Um, you know, just every facet of my life had some fear attached to it. And uh, I was terrific at what I call building pyramids. You know, I would start with one fear and then continue to build on that fear. You know, okay, well, if this happens, you know, then what if this happens? And then if that happens, what if this happens? You know, and I get myself into such a corner. It says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Um, I mean, it was not surprising that my life was so riddled by fear since I didn't have a relationship with God. I couldn't trust God. I I had no trust. I had no vulnerability that way. I didn't trust other people, uh, you know, deeply or intimately. I didn't trust God, didn't rely upon God, and I relied upon myself. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. It sure didn't because in my pursuit for stability, I chased those things that I felt would 
offer me that uh, stability, you know, uh, whether it was relationships or money or, you know, accomplishments, what I thought I needed for my stability and my well-being. So my basic flaw had been this faulty dependence on things, you know, way outside of myself, on people, on circumstances going a certain way, on money, on accomplishments, those things that uh, I felt I needed to uh, feel secure and feel happy and feel a sense of well-being. And when I failed to get those things according to my personal wishes and my personal desires and specifications, of course that led to other defects being uh, revealed and acted upon. So it just became, as it says in that preceding page, you know, uh, setting the ball rolling, setting the ball rolling. So it says here, self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Exactly, it didn't go far enough because fear ate me up. (laughs) And then you know what? To seek relief, I just kept digging my fists deeper into that cellophane bag. I had fear of failure, fear I couldn't measure up, fear of hard work, you know, all those kind of things, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being valued. You know, I desperately wanted to be somebody. I desperately wanted to feel like something. I aspired to be equal, yet I so desperately needed to feel superior. I mean, I was just uh, caught in every corner, you know, until until this big book, you know, uh, taught me a different way. You know, self-reliance pounded me to the ground, beat me to a pulp, and uh, surrender, what a blessed thing. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Yes, this is Anne-Marie. This is Sharon. Anne-Marie and Sharon, thanks. Hi, Amy. Hi. Uh, Thanks. Good morning. Um, Anne-Marie, recovered compulsive eater here. Um, No, um, (laughs) self-reliance did me no good. Um, The more I relied on self, the further I got away from God. And this fear thing, they talk about resentment, you know, you get something, you know, you're angry about something and you think it's over again and it gets worse and then it gets, you know, the resentment gets bigger and the situation in my head would get bigger and bigger. It would be like a snowball effect. Well, the same thing for me with fear. Um, When I thought about something that frightened me, um, you know, maybe it would be my daughter about what's going on in her life, I would think about it and get fearful and think about it some more and the situation in my head the the, um the thoughts of what I was having was causing me all the fear and those thoughts would get worse and worse and they would it would be a snowball effect and the more I went that way with the fear with the thoughts the fear got bigger and my distance from God got greater And I cannot be in fear and be in connection with God. When I am in connection with God, um, you know, maybe I am fearful, but it diminishes so much because I remember that who has the control, you know, um, who has, you know, I I rely on him and, you know, I don't have to rely on my, um, my you know, it's really relying on my character defects. (laughs) I'm not really, you know, just relying on, thinking about, um, you know, the fear and what's going to happen and and all that stuff. Um, So, you know, um, and I don't know if it was on the recording yesterday or it was after the recording with Ruth, um, you know, really 
one thing I got I got I got a lot out of what she had said, but one thing was you know my my connection with God has to be strong. You know, um, I can't diminish that. I have to stay strong with them, and um, there's no. Um, uh, I, I can't. Um, I can't think of the words I'm trying to say. So I will just pass. And thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And Sharon, please. This is Sharon, recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning. I um, the thing that really I had an aha moment when I was reading this paragraph because it says when it said, wasn't it because. Um, Self-reliance failed us, and then it goes on. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. And I realized that for so so many years, I had I had been looking around and wondering why other people could live based on self-reliance, but I couldn't. They can go out, and uh, people who are not compulsive overeaters, they don't seem to need. Um, of course, they don't need this program, uh, although sometimes I think they'd be better if they had it. They don't seem to have to rely on God the way I need to rely on God. For me, I cannot rely on myself at all. My self-reliance, my uh, my twisted thinking, my way of looking at life had to be totally, it has to be totally revamped. Even now, I still have to, I am totally reliant on God to have a normal life. I can I can never just like I can never take that first bite, I can never go out and think I can do life without the help of my higher power. And when I read this paragraph, I had the aha moment that well, of course I'm not like normal people. I I don't have normal fears. I don't have normal uh, way of looking at life. I don't have normal eating habits. I just am not normal. So because I have all of these issues, because I am ill physically, mentally, spiritually, because I'm ill, because I'm sick, I can't judge what is going on with another person who looks like they can rely on self and don't need God, don't need the program, don't need all the help that I need. I can't, I I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what's on the inside of them, whether they're having all of the pain I had. But I know that because I am sick, because I use food the way I do, because I have the fears that I have, because I'm in the pain, because of the pain that I was in, I cannot rely on myself. I must accept the help of a power greater than myself. I need this program, and I need my God on a daily basis, on a continuous basis. I need the help and power of a power greater than myself whom I can rely on because I cannot rely on myself. It has failed me over and over again. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Anyone else before we move on? 
Yes, this is Amy. Uh, Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. I've always heard that fears can be all boiled down to two things, fear of not getting what we want and fear of losing what we have. And if we go to step four in the AA 12 and 12, it tells us that fear of that nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct, that these instincts are what help us survive in our, in our world and our society. But when we get into fears of not getting or losing material, emotional security, companionship, sex, all of those basic instincts, when they become emotional deformities, these drive, these instincts, then we're in trouble. And those create tremendous fears, and they tyrannize us. That's what it says in the step, that they tyrannize us, and they drive us blindly when we live off of those emotions and those instincts drive us, as opposed to using the brain that God gave us to be able to handle, you know, the, the, emotion, the, the brain over the emotions. And as a compulsive overeater, I understand that, because I think fear in itself is an instinct. It's a God-given instinct. It's a healthy thing. Fear in itself is not a bad thing. It's what we do with it. It's when it becomes a driven deformity that drives us because of our fears and our self-reliance says, no, I must have this. No, I must do this. No, I must not lose this. That I acted in manners and in ways and in behaviors that tyrannized myself and those around me. And when I couldn't handle it all, what I do? I went to the food. I went to the food. You know, there's that fight or flight issue with fear. And for me, the healthy fear for me is what got me into this program called the gift of desperation or whatever, if you will. But that fear of dying from this disease was the fear that propelled me into this program to fight for my life. But when fear propelled me to be paralyzed by food, that was not the healthy kind of fear. And then when I acted off of those fears, I acted in ways that hurt others and myself. Those were not healthy fears. And when I looked thoroughly through these fears, I had to pick and choose where it was these fears were driving me. And it wasn't that fear in itself was a bad thing, but as a compulsive overeater, the wrong kinds of fears ruled my life. I have a healthy fear today of my disease, only in that manner that I know that this disease has, doesn't have control over me anymore, but I have a healthy fear about it. For example, I don't put food in my mouth that I know that's going to trigger me because I have a healthy fear because I know how powerless I am. But I also know that God is in control of my life now. I don't need to be afraid and paralyzed by my fears. I'm also, based on the next paragraph that we're going to read, I'm going to be empowered with new behaviors and new attitudes to work through and walk through the fears that I come up against in this world because we're going to have them. You know, we're going to have them. How do we handle them now? How do we not, not let them drive us into manners and behaviors that cause destruction? Or how do we work through them into a better way of life and a better connection with our higher power? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Let's move on to the next paragraph now with Monica, please. Thank you, Leah. Monica, recovered compulsive overeater again. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis. The basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. 
just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And this is important here. And here, perhaps there is a better way. We think so. And who are these we again? This is the first 100 recovered people who help write this book. They've been through this. They know the outcome. They've experienced all this. And so they're giving us instructions here of how to do this. How is it going to work? And they're saying, okay, we're now trying to be on a different basis the basis of trusting and relying on God. And what's basis? It's a foundation. So they're trying to tell us here, okay, let's, let's try something a little different. How about putting aside your old ideas, your old prejudice, and try something a little new here? How about trying to, and, to trust and rely on God? Now, granted, this is a process, and we're just in the beginning here of cleaning our house. But the whole pro, the whole. Uh, meaning of the book here of working the steps is to develop this personal relationship with God, to develop this, to get this basis of trusting and relying on God. So you start with what you got where you are right now. So it says we trust God, infinite God, and what does that mean? Unlimited, never-ending God, rather than our finite selves. We're limited, finite, limited, having definite limits. And our own history has shown us here that our way does not work. It just doesn't work. So now we're going to try to put our trust and reliance on God. And he's going to show us what to do. And so um, when we're here in this part of the, of the writing, I was um, um, instructed to think about, okay, Monica, if you trusted and relied on God right now, how would this look? How would it feel? What would I do differently if I felt this fear? I'm putting my trust and reliance on God. Again here, we pray, pray, pray. God, what would you have me do here? And if I pause, he will give me an answer on something that I can do differently to deal with this fear. And when I trust God and rely on God and depend on God, that's how I'm going to get over my fear. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Beth. Beth, go ahead. Hi, um, this is Beth, a recovered um, compulsive overeater from California. And um, and th- this part of the, the reading reminds me, you know, of another part of the big book where, you know, God is everything or God is nothing. And either I am relying wholly on my higher power or or I am, you know, taking my self-will back and, and you know, doing that um, self-reliance thing. And, and I think that so much of, of my life is relying on, on myself. And then when I, you know, come up against some sort of issue or problem, um, then all of a sudden I use my higher power, like kind of like a pitch hitter. Um, and I need to um, more often throughout the day, and, and I know that I'm, you know, building that, and as long as, you know, I keep moving on my spiritual program, you know, I will stay recovered. Um, more often throughout the day, I'm relying on my higher power. More often um, throughout the day, 
I am placing myself, you know, and, and finding what God, what my higher power's will is. Um, because when I rely on myself, you know, that's when, you know, I'm tense. That's when I'm, you know, trying to figure it out on myself. And, and I have a finite way of, you know, seeing things, whereas my higher power has, you know, an omnipotent point of view. And, and um, so that, that there's more possibilities, you know, to uh, um, solve problems and help people and, and be of service. Um, so I want, I want that, I want to get to the point where God is everything in my life. And, um, and I thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Katie, go ahead. Hi, Katie. I'm, hi, I'm Leah. I'm Katie, a compulsive reader in Virginia. And, um, I just love this paragraph because, you know, we've just looked at our fear and we've looked at our uh, self-reliance and, you know, this journey of the fourth step is a very scary um, proposition, but we are learning to trust, you know, it says we trust infinite God rather than our finite, finite selves. And that is what I have learned to rely on. It's like, okay, you're guiding me to do this. It seems so out of character and out of the realm of how I would normally do things, how my family would do things, but I'm trusting that this is the right next thing to do. And, and it's um, just further showing us that we, we are not God, and um, it's completely different than our normal way of thinking. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else on this paragraph? This is Christy. Christy, go ahead. This is Janice. Christy and then Janice, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I just love the language in this first sentence. It says, perhaps, perhaps there is a better way. We think so. And, you know, if I take, you know, take my eyes back to the foreword to the first edition, it says that we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what was that hopeless state of mind that I also suffered from? That for me was fear. I was afraid of everything. Like Amy said, you know, I was afraid that I wasn't going to get what I wanted and I was afraid I was going to lose what I already had. That I'm kind of screwed if that's the way I'm thinking. I'm stuck. I am stuck. I'm in trouble. I am in trouble if that is where my mind resides. And, you know, the beauty of recovery is that, you know, for me, I mean, my faith was built on the premise that if my higher power could remove the compulsion for me to eat, anything was possible. Anything was possible. Perhaps, perhaps anything was possible. And, um, you know, that's proven, that has been proven in my life over and over again. You know, the sentence right here that it, where it says just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? You know, again, I'm still human. I'm still going to have fear. Um, Those kinds of things are going to crop up. But what's different for me in my life today is that they don't run 
my life today. Fear does not run my life today. It doesn't mean that, like I said, I, I don't have fear crop up, and it doesn't mean that I don't reach out to my fellows and say, you know, I'm really scared. I'm really scared about something or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, I'm reminded that I'm either living in that fear, living in that fear, or I'm living in faith. Am I, am I living in faith today that my higher power has a, a plan? And as my sponsor says, you know, you have no idea what God's plan is for you. You have no idea what your higher power has in store for you. And that's true. You know, and it used to be, I mean, you can imagine how disappointed I was when I put my reliance on higher power to strike me thin. You know, is there any way you could, you know, cut me in half and have me lose 170 pounds overnight? By any chance, and you can imagine how disappointed I was in that higher power when I woke up at, you know, 340 pounds the next day, just like I had gone to sleep at night. And, um, you know, that's where my, that's how I used to pray. That's how I used to pray. And so, of course, there was no connection there because I was, you know, disappointed over and over again. And, you know, I'm just reminded that today, you know, I pray for the grace, you know, the grace for that higher power to get me through whatever's going on. You know, please, please, power greater than myself, get me through whatever's going on. Please, God, remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be as we're going to learn in the next paragraph you know direct my attention to what you would have me be direct my attention to what you would have me be you know I mean the prayer is not is no longer that I never experience fear again the prayer today is that it be removed you know one fear at a time one day at a time so that I can live in the way that I'm supposed to live which I'm pretty sure is not you know cowering in the corner afraid to go outside that's that's how I used to live you know stuck on the couch glued to the nailed to the couch you know with my hand in those cellophane bags and my mind just spinning around and around and around um, state of the world, you know, the fact that cable TV might go out, and then what was I going to do? I mean, just absolutely insane. So to say today that I'm recovered from a hopeless, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body is true for me today. And it doesn't mean that fear is completely gone from my life, but it does mean that it doesn't run my life today any more than food runs my life. And that, my friends, is a miracle, an absolute miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Christy. And Janice, please. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. We think so. You know, once again, I'm reminded that this book was penned by recovered alcoholics. And as we heard yesterday when, when, uh, when the doctor's opinion was brought to life for us, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. You know, Dr. Silkworth had watched this process happen to these alcoholics where they came out the other side. They came out the other side. They were different. They were transformed. You know, that's what we're talking about here, and there is such hope. There is such hope, particularly in this paragraph. For we are now on a different basis. We are on a different basis. And even though we're talking about being in the midst of step four, this is a process and it's based on experience. 
based on experience. So with the food down, and I dove in, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm looking at my fears, and I'm looking at how they had ruled me, and I'm looking at my thinking, something is happening here. We are beginning to trust infinite God. We are beginning to experience something I had not been able to experience before, looking at myself with some clarity. And it says, just to the extent that we do as, as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? You know, there's a turnaround. There's a big turnaround happening here. And this was true for me. This was true for me. The challenges that presented themselves, living life on life's terms, was not an easy one. But I could do it with a certain sense of freedom that I had never had before. And definitely a reliance on this power greater than myself. That enables me to walk through it with some peace and freedom from compulsive overeating, which allowed me to be useful and helpful to other people and to grow ever closer to my higher power. So as as the mind cracked open, as my mind began to shift, as my thinking began to shift, so could God direct my thinking. Because I wasn't being held prisoner anymore, nor was I holding myself prisoner anymore. You know, I had been stuck in that negative thinking. You know, we like to say around the rooms, we refrain from negative thinking. And I always said, what does that look like? But now I'm having that experience and I'm seeing what it looks like to rely on God, to do what I think he would have me do. You know, that's the great hope in this paragraph. And I can just say you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live a prisoner because freedom is here in our higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Judy F. Judy, please go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. Good morning, Vision to you. This is Judy F. A recovered compulsive overeater. Um, for me, this this was so crucial um, for my relationship, for deepening my relationship with God, and other inventories. I would write about fear, but that's all I would do, and then I would tell my sponsor about it. And this really gives us a process where God can come in and change our thinking. And But I'm also a participant, and looking at the origin, and then looking at what was the problem, self-reliance, what's the solution, trusting and relying on God, and then to visualize what would it look like in my life, what would I look like, how would I think if I did trust and rely on God? And then to have God bring me to better places. So this process, so simple, but it gets to the crux of the problem, my thinking, and it gives a solution, God, with that I'll pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leah, and I'd like to comment on this as well. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. Uh, so what the big book is teaching me here is that this false dependency and these, this self-reliance <laughs> wasn't working. If that wasn't clear, they're, <laughs> they're trying to remind me, hey, Leah, you know, uh, your best thinking uh, got, you, got you pummeled, you know, to a bloody pulp because I was constantly looking outside of myself 
depending on myself and looking outside of myself for scraps of pleasure and scraps of fulfillment and satisfaction and for validation and for security and for love. And they're teaching me here, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. The big book and this process where these fears, I'm asking God to remove these fears and I'm asking God to direct my attention to what he would have me be instead so that that fear diminishes and it's replaced with something else. It's replaced with trusting and relying upon God. It's replaced with the opposite of fear. So where my mind used to be filled with fear, now my mind can be filled with faith and courage and trust and reliance and dependency on God, that I have this treasure, this unsuspected inner resource, the big book calls it, within me that not only includes all those things, but is infinitely greater than anything the world can offer. It says here, we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. The big book, through these action steps, four through nine, are enabling me to develop a relationship and a connection with something immeasurable and indestructible. And that this quality of my consciousness with God, this quality of my relationship with God is going to determine my future. It's going to determine my future. Because my life is based on the ideas I produce in my mind. So if my life is based on self-will run riot, me, myself, and I, getting my demands and my wishes and my specifications met, well, then my life is going to reflect that. Because whatever I direct my life towards, that's what's going to run my life. But what if my life is directed towards God? It says just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us. So this is the new vision. This is the new vision that the big book is talking about. You know, when it says every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities, how can I best serve thee, my new employer? How can I best serve thee, God? Thy will not mine be done. That's what it's telling me, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us. So I have a new vision. You know, this paragraph reminds me of the wording earlier that we read when we studied uh we agnostics, you know, when it says, you know, something, you know, once, because we were once confused and we were once baffled by the seeming futility of existence um, and the heavy going of life, you know, leaving aside the drink question, the drink was just a symbol and a symptom of a separation with God. Now these men and women who are recovered are teaching me through these pages that the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important fact of their lives, the most important fact of their lives, you know. So uh, that's what I had to, uh, that's what I had to understand, that that relationship with God is going to, to produce the quality of my life. That the quality of my consciousness, the quality of my relationship with God is going to determine my future because it allows me to live today the best that I can live today based on the vision of God's will today. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? My name is Hi, Najia. I'm a compulsive overshare. 
I hear two people. I hear Sharon, and then there's another voice there. Not Melanie. Okay, not Melanie, not Sharon, but that other one. Go right Nadia. ahead. Nadia. <laughs> My name is Nadia. There we go. Good morning to you. Go ahead. Um, my name is Najia. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm so grateful to be on this meeting this morning. Um, I believe it's my first time on this particular meeting. I love this paragraph, but I'm really stuck with he enabled, enabled. Oh, my God, like I was stuck on that word, like his power, not anything of me, his power. That's how I interpret that word enable. He gives me the power to match calamity with serenity. Oh, my God. So no matter what happens to me, as long as I'm relying upon God and bringing it to God, he will enable me, he will empower me to match whatever I'm going through with serenity. And that doesn't necessarily mean, and this is true for me, doesn't mean that my situation changes because I believe God will allow it to change when it needs to change. And I get to build more faith and I get to build more trust and I get to see how powerful God is even in the midst of the situation. doesn't mean the situation is going to change right then and there. But I will have serenity in the midst. My mother used to say, I will have peace in the midst of the storm. I will have serenity in the midst of my calamity. I just need to get out of the way. I was always in the way. Self-reliance, self-will, those are demons to me because they always left me empty, sometimes more afraid than when I started to try to make it work for me. But there's a solution. There's a solution. I just need to humble myself before my God and say, this is what's going on with me. I can't handle it. I know you can because I don't weigh what I used to weigh. I don't act the way I used to act, although I'm not perfect. I'm not the same woman I was when I came in many 24 hours ago. I know that I know that I know. Based on your track record, I can handle this calamity. I mean, this calamity, I give it to you, and I know, I know that I will get some peace in the midst of the storm. This is a very, very, very powerful program, but equally so, there's a very powerful, powerful God in the midst of this program. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you all for being out there. Thank you. And Irini, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini Gratefully recovered, compulsive eater. Thank you, God. Trust is, you know, believing in God to take care of us in all our situations and circumstances. Just like a child to a parent, you know, we would pause and ask for intuitive thoughts and direction. And trust is is one of the main ingredients to surrender of what's holding us down. Um, don't we usually trust those that we love? Just as we trust and love our families and friends, well, it's the same thing, having that personal relationship. God is the only true one that we can trust 100%, that we can rely on. And the more we trust, the closer we become to him. We trust, when we trust that fear then, it just melts away. 
in all our circumstances. You know, he is my strength through my weakness. He is my power through me being powerless. I need to be connected to him so much. And um, I can think and act accordingly if I do so. Otherwise, I am totally dysfunctional. You know, if I am disconnected, I cannot function. I need to trust and rely on God. I love the peace I have with him. I love the gift of his presence. He guides me, and he protects me. And my job is to never, ever let go of his hand. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. We are out of time. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you please read for us from A Vision for You? This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you into us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.